To say that it has been a wild few days would be an understatement, but the Blue Bloods are back to offer a small distraction from all the craziness of the world. College football and the sports world may be on hold, but there are still plenty of storylines that need to be talked about and addressed. We kick off the show by talking about how this recent pandemic will affect recruiting and spring practice for NCAA football. Then we move on to talk about whether Jamie Newman, the transfer from Wake Forest, will be the missing piece for the Georgia Bulldogs this upcoming season. Then we debate who is really the best running back in the upcoming NFL draft. And we wrap it all up by speculating whether Drake May's flip to North Carolina from Alabama offers evidence that schools and coaches across the country are not intimidated by Nick Saban on the recruiting trail anymore. We have a lot to debate and we have a packed show, so let's kick it off. to start out um, talking about, you know, the thing that I know is on everyone's mind right now. The country has been devastated by the recent pandemic called the coronavirus and the sports world has been put on hold for the foreseeable future. And that is not that also includes college football. The NCAA suspended all athletic activity. The latest news says until April 15th, which means spring practice and spring games had to be canceled. And this past Friday, March 13th, the NCAA made the decision to also put a halt on all recruiting activities. You know, so this is going to have major ramifications across the country for many teams and many high school players that are coming into their senior year. So, Brandon, how do you see the recruiting cycle being altered moving forward? And how do teams properly prepare for the season after missing weeks of spring practice that builds experience and chemistry for these younger players and new teammates. Yeah. Well, like you said, I mean, it's definitely going to be thrown off. Um, you know, everything's being put on hold for right now. And, you know, I mean, I think it's for a good reason. You know, I, I'm not the deciding factor here, but uh, we, we have to watch out for athletes. We have to watch out for the fans. We have to watch out for everybody. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, things aren't going to operate like they normally would because this isn't a situation like we normally see. So, I mean, spring games are being canceled. Some of them are, uh, you know, like you said, operations aren't set to you know, start again until April 15th. And that's, I, you know, that might be being generous uh, because I assume they're probably going to reevaluate this closer to then. It might get pushed back even more. So we don't really know. I mean, we, we don't really know what to look out for uh, because we've, you know, in at least in recent years since the discovery of, not discovery, but since the, uh, since the NCAA was formed, we haven't really faced a problem like this, you know. We ha we haven't seen a pandemic like this, and I mean, it's been a while. And so, uh, I, I can't tell you really exactly what's going to happen. It's it's going to be interesting to see. Um, you know, I, and, and your heart just has to go out to these players that have been uh, training their entire lives to get here. But at the same time, I mean, what really are you going to do? Uh, I think the NCAA is handling this, and I'm the first person to criticize the NCAA. Everyone knows that. Everyone who listens to this podcast knows that. Everyone in the world probably knows it. But I think they're doing the right thing here. Uh, I, I think hold off until April 15th, reevaluate, go from there. Um, you know, if it puts the season off track, so be it. I mean, it sucks, but you know, the situation as a whole sucks too. Yeah, I, th I think we're both on the same page with that. This is a serious thing that we have to put a we have to think of the bigger picture here rather than this minute focus on sports. I think as as bad as it all is, as all as much as we all love sports, this is the College Walk Podcast. We all love it. We all are probably sports fans for other sports, but the NCAA had to do this. The NBA, I give them props, set the precedent. All other major sports are canceled. I think the only sport that's still going on is UFC. That's their decision. But they made the best decision for the safety of their players, student athletes, coaches, recruits, everything. But, I mean, I, I think we can kind of speculate on how it's going to affect it because I think this is really, really going to affect the recruiting cycle. I mean, 
you know, I don't think it's going to affect teams such as Alabama, Michigan, Ohio State, Texas, those teams that have that national recognition. But I think it's going to hurt these lower level schools in stealing recruits. I mean, we always see schools like, let's just say Houston, when they, you know, they seem to steal a recruit every now and then out of the top 10. I don't think you're going to see that as much because I think a school like Alabama is much more likely to recover from this period of no contact outside of a like an AAC program like Cincinnati or Houston. Uh, I think it's I think players are going to be less likely to commit during the early signing period, too. I think some of these players are going to hold off to the National Signing Day in February of 2021 to sign their letters of intent, they're going to want to take those visits. They're going to want to have that experience. They're going to want to know these coaching staffs. The players that are dead set on enrolling early will probably sign in the early signing period. But I think last year we saw the early signing period really take a lot of the big recruits away. I don't think that's going to be the case this year. And I think the recruiting battles are going to be absolutely intense. I mean, I think these teams are going to be fighting tooth and nail to get these recruits in because I think me and you both agree this is a time that a lot of these recruits do take those unofficial visits to kind of build those relationships so these coaches are going to be in a tighter window trying to get as many players into their program as possible yeah you know I can definitely see that um yeah and it really is going to hurt the smaller uh, the smaller schools or the smaller programs at least uh in the upcoming weeks in the upcoming months maybe even the upcoming seasons so uh that's it's definitely yeah, a bummer uh, for them yeah because i mean a lot of the junior days are around this time where they bring in a lot of the people that might might not be able to sign in the 2021 recruiting class but this this is a big time period for those 2022 uh recruits yeah and so the point i think that i mean you may have said it and i may have just overlooked it but uh one of the points that you may have been trying to make is that you know, they're not these players that are going to sign somewhere who've gotten offers from bigger schools, maybe to be second or third string for a little while, are going to pass up on the smaller schools where they could have started right away. Because, I mean, if you so if, if you strictly received offers from, let's say, Auburn, uh, Alabama, then maybe I mean, you were going to be like a third string uh, player, either one of those schools. And then you received offers from like, let's say like Florida International, um, South Alabama and Southern Miss, but you could start at any of those three schools. Where are you going? I mean, if you can't visit any of these schools, where are you going to go? I mean, I know where I'm going. I'm going to go to the big name program because in your future, you know, even while you're there, you'll be able to say, Hey, I play football for a D one power five school. Whereas maybe if you would have visited the Southern Miss, the South Alabama or the Florida International, you know, you would have visited there. You would have seen how much their coaches care about the players. You would have seen how close the team is. And you, you, maybe that would have flipped your thoughts. You know, you go there. They can they can talk you into it. They can be more persuasive. But if you just pass a piece of paper that says, hey, there's these five schools that want you, you're going to go to one of these Power Five schools, right? Yeah, I, I think that's 100% accurate. Uh, I Like I said before, I mean, I I just don't think – so these smaller schools have to build a special type of relationship with these recruits. They can't just come in and they don't have Nick Saban with these championship rings laid out on the table. They're going to have to sell these kids on the vision of that program. And without this contact, you can't sell sell vision, you know, over the phone. And I don't I think they even banned over the phone contact for a period of time. I think this is like a new dead period per se for recruiting. But, you know, one other thing I kind of want to address uh, is what about recruits like Zachary Evans, who decided to push back their commitment? I think he said he planned on committing this month, early April. But with this dead period, you know, teams can't contact him, let him visit. This kid has been a question mark. No one really knows where his head's at. So those teams that are recruiting this kid cannot feel comfortable with this. I mean, am I right? I mean, even with normal contact, he was still hard to read. Could you imagine if you just let him be by himself with no contact, what's going to come of it next? No, oh, dude, that'd be nuts. That would just be absolutely insane because, I mean, this kid just might not, he, he may not go anywhere now, you know? I have no idea. Um, I, well, that's what I was thinking. I mean, story. I... I tried to look it up and I couldn't really find anything. When did the, when does he have to make a decision to be eligible to play next year? I'm not really sure. Um, 
And especially with the circumstances that are happening now, we may not have an answer to that, you know? That may that's, just be something that's, that... That's very true. Yeah. Uh I don't know what's what's going to happen. I think he's a very weird scenario, and I don't. I think if he saw if if he could have looked into the future and saw this coming, he probably would have already committed. And I think he said it was down to Tennessee and Florida. So these schools have to be biting their nails because you know, even though it's a dead period, I mean, you know, there's teams still contacting recruits. Let's not all play stupid. So if a team gets into his ear, we can have a team come out of nowhere for this kid. And even though he's hasn't handled his recruitment, you know. And the way I would have, he's still a monster. And I think he could start at any school in the country, in my opinion. Right. No, he's he's definitely still one of the – I mean, obviously, yeah. one of the top <laughs> running backs in the country. This guy's insane. Yeah. But uh, any school you're lucky to have him, I think. Well, you're lucky to have his talent. <laughs> his talent, maybe not his attitude. But the last thing before we move on is, you know, I, this does have recruiting impacts, but spring football practices are – huge for upcoming seasons i mean it's huge for young teams teams with a new quarterback a new head coach you know teams like clemson trevor lawrence is going to be his third year starting he already has his wide receivers that they have their chemistry they have the, the offensive system down they know the environment but what about a team like oregon just lost their starting quarterback who started for i believe four straight years Four new offensive linemen on that front, and there's just no chemistry, no time to practice together. And then teams like Ole Miss, Mississippi State, Florida State that are implementing new systems with new head coaches in a completely new place. I mean, this has to be devastating for programs like that. Yeah, it definitely is. Um, You have no time to implement this before the season. You know, it's assuming the season starts in August like it's supposed to. But we, like I said, like I've said plenty of times during this segment, we just don't know. I mean, yeah, I, we don't know if, you know, if, if this is going to still be a huge pandemic then. That's the first thing. The second thing is we don't know how this was going to handle it. They may end up pushing everything back, you know, because they may realize, hey, it's really not fair for these for these kind of programs or whatever. And so, I mean, because, it, you know, we like to say, hey, it's just a game, whatever. I mean, to some of these people, to the coaches, this is their livelihood. You know, yeah, they they don't do well this season. They're fired basically, and they they they're, they're left without a job. I mean, so this is people's livelihood um, at some point, and we have to look at it that way. So uh, we we just don't know how it's going to uh, pan out. But yeah, I mean, assuming that things do start on time, assuming that uh, that I, I guess we get past this. Um, then, yeah, uh, it, it's definitely going to be a disadvantage to the coaches, uh, to the programs that are implementing new types of things in their uh, with their team. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's it's going to be an interesting thing. But so let's go ahead and move on to the next topic. Let's get in some real football talk. Something to get you guys' minds off of this. We're gonna move on to Georgia, the program. Uh, this has been a program in the national spotlight. Jake Fromm has been the starter for the Bulldogs since 2017 when he took over for an injured Jacob Eason in the first game of the season. Fromm has had a, a successful career. He led the Bulldogs to a national championship appearance in 2017 and three consecutive SEC championship games where he was one and two in those games. Fromm has finally decided to take his talents to the NFL and Georgia dipped into the transfer portal and found Wake Forest quarterback Jamie Newman. Newman only had one full season as a starter for the Demon Deacons and put up over 2,800 yards and 26 touchdowns, but he struggled with turnovers with 11 interceptions. Many experts are beginning to wonder when Kirby Smart and the Bulldogs will finally get over the hump and win a championship. So I ask you, Brandon, is Newman the missing piece for the Bulldogs? And is he what the, is he what they were missing to win their first championship since 1980? No. I mean, that's my short answer is no. Uh, I do think he's a great quarterback. I really do. I think he's a fantastic athlete. I mean, anyone who watched Wake Forest play this past season uh, should be able to recognize that. I mean, like you said, uh, he passed for 20, almost 2,900 yards last season. You know, he, he has 26 touchdowns. Um, but his completion rates, what kind it doesn't really worry me that much. I mean, it's a 61% completion rate. That's pretty good. But if Georgia couldn't get it done with Jacob Eason, if they couldn't get it done with Jake Fromm, I don't think they get it done with Jacob, uh, Jamie Newman. I, I really don't. Um, 
Uh, I don't I don't really know why <laughs> other than the stats uh, and the stats look pretty good. Uh, I, I just I don't I think it's kind of a step back. You know, if you look at this past season at Jake Fromm, I don't think it's a step back. I think anything, almost anything's a step forward from that. But, you know, you look at the years that Georgia uh, or the year that Georgia made the national championship and you, you're like, wow, I mean, that was pretty, I mean, that was a great performance by everybody on the team. I don't think that Jamie Newman would have won that game for them. I don't think that anybody was going to beat Alabama that season. I don't really think Jamie Newman keeps it nearly as close as Georgia did in that, in that scenario either. Um, at some point you have to sit back and realize, Hey, there's a reason that he's at Wake Forest and these other players are at Georgia. He's at Georgia now, but there's a reason that he wasn't at Georgia from the jump. Right. Yeah, I, I agree with you, but I think he has the raw ability to make plays in the backfield with things break down. He had almost 600 yards rushing and six touchdowns and showed that he was mobile, but I don't think he's the quarterback of the future for the Bulldogs. And I don't think he's going to win a championship, but it, I, to me, it has less to do with Newman and more to do with the team around him. Uh, I mean, what? They're losing 10 of 11 starters on offense. And they have a new offensive coordinator, a new O-line coach, a quarterback that's moving from a less defensive-oriented conference. I mean, outside of Clemson, I don't think any of the defenses in the ACC really scare you. I mean, Miami's will this year, but they had to go in the transfer portal to do that. But... You know, I think he's mobile. I think he, I think he has the it factor, but I think he has questionable accuracy. You said he was right at above sixty percent. That ranked eighth in the ACC last year. I mean, and this isn't viewed as a deep quarterback conference. I mean, he ranked behind James Blackman from Florida State and Jaron Williams from Miami. Blackman got benched multiple times last year, and Jaron Williams just entered the transfer portal because he couldn't secure Miami's job. I mean, that that's really bad. I mean, I don't think either of us are going to sit here and say Blackman or Williams are elite quarterbacks. No, we sat here this past season and talked about how bad they were. I mean, let's we're not yeah, gonna go back on our word. That's exactly what we mean. every single time that came <laughs> up, it wasn't it wasn't a positive thing, right? I think it was no, always a pretty not. bad thing. Yeah. Well, we so. we had a whole rant halfway through the season about why Alex Hornbrook wasn't starting for Florida State over James Blackman. And right. this doesn't even include – he was second in the ACC in total interceptions with 11. He was one interception behind Bryce Perkins with 12. And Bryce Perkins had his accuracy issues as well. I'm but, pretty sure every time we talked about Bryce Perkins, it was in a pretty bad light as well, other than this offseason when I named him one of the breakout players. Zach did not agree with me, by the way. Um, no, I didn't. I mean, he has the legs. He'd be a great running back, but I don't think he's a good, very good quarterback. And, I mean – Jake Fromm, for all his struggles about he couldn't make the plays, according to the experts, he never had a season above seven interceptions. And that was his true freshman year when he was thrust into a role and still led that team to a national championship. Right. I think I think that is amazing. If, if there's one thing you can say about Fromm, he was accurate. He, he did not turn the ball over. And that is the opposite of what Newman is. And, you know, so the thing about me is the reason I don't think Jamie Newman was the missing piece is because I don't think quarterback was the problem for Georgia and why they didn't right. win a championship. People forget from threw for over 300 yards and three touchdowns in that loss to Bama in the SEC championship. It was not Jake Fromm's fault, fault. They lost that game. Jake Fromm was elite during that game. He did throw two interceptions in the national championship, but he also made the plays to get them to, to a 13, nothing lead at halftime in the first place. My, my thing about this whole situation is why isn't Kirby smart and the defense not getting any blame for their loss. Uh, they allowed 21 unanswered points in the second half in that SEC championship loss to Bama when Jalen Hurts came in and won that game. Kirby Smart's defense was the one that allowed 26 points in the second half against Bama after uh, the offense, you know, took a 13-0 lead in the championship. He allowed over 350 yards passing against LSU this season in the SEC championship. You know, that defense allowed 40 points in a loss to a two-loss Auburn team in 17, which almost kept them out of the playoffs. I, I think Kirby Smart's defense deserves a lot more blame than they're getting. I mean, I don't understand how this all falls on from. Yeah, it definitely doesn't. I mean, there's a whole team around him. And like you said, I mean, if you look at numbers, I mean, just plain numbers, 
you see that it shouldn't even fall over from right other than this past season uh which may have been jake Fromm's fault in some capacity i mean he and I don't even think that was really his fault. That's a whole different conversation, but I'll get started on it. I don't think that they let Jake Fromm air the ball out nearly as much as they should have. I mean, he didn't – I don't know. I don't know. They, they they relied too heavily on other things, right? I mean, to to be fair, they let Jake Fromm in the Auburn game that I beat Auburn this season, 21-14. They let Jake Fromm throw one deep ball. Do you know what he did? He threw a 70-yard bomb for a score that pretty much sealed the game for Georgia. I mean, right. Jake Jake Fromm has the arm strength to make plays, but I agree with you. They tried to lean on Swift, and I mean, to be fair, when you have Nick Chubb, DeAndre DeAndre Swift, and Sony Michelle in the backfield, it's kind of hard not to lean on the run game. But also, got to ask you. I mean, where was the run game in the biggest games when it came down to it? I mean, what what uh, Swift had four yards against LSU this year. Okay, but. Uh, I think we can both agree that LSU's defense was, at that point in the season, was, I mean, I don't want to say unstoppable. They were very good. They were very good, but if you're DeAndre Swift and want to be a first-round pick, you I need more than four yards for you. I need more than four yards for you. You should be able to get four yards automatically if you're a first-round pick in the NFL draft because I don't think that LSU defense was not a top-three defense in the SEC last year, and I think we've had that discussion, and they were not a top-three defense in the SEC that year. Right. And I mean, if you watch, I mean, play the SEC championship back like I have, because there's no sports on TV. So I've just been watching old games. Um, just play it back one time and you'll see that Jake Fromm, I mean, it, his inaccuracy in that game was, I mean, I wasn't expecting it. You know, I was expecting Jake Fromm and, and I saw Jake Fromm play last year, you know, and he wasn't very accurate. And I think that's part of the reason that they didn't rely on his arm as much as they should have. Um, to to be LC fair, though, game, I, LSU was smacking him, dude. Where was the offensive line in that game? They were in well, his they, they were in his throat from the from the go in that were, SEC championship game. They were worried about their dads getting fingers stuck in folding chairs and such. I <laughs> I've totally forgot about that, but that is that is very true. But you know, and I I, I refer back to the Auburn loss in seventeen when they got blown out. Nick Chubb, Sonny Michelle, and DeAndre Swift combined for like 30 yards rushing in that game. That how does that help your quarterback? Yeah, I mean, you have to it, do something else. You I mean, that's to. that's that's ridiculous. And I get DeAndre Swift's great. That's our next topic. We'll get there in a second, you know. But I I don't think I, I think Jake Fromm was a scapegoat. And I think moving forward, these Bulldog fans are gonna miss. Jake Fromm more than they think they will. I think they see the talent of Sonny Michelle, Nick Chubb, DeAndre Swift, and so they're just like, oh, well, we have all these great running backs, so the thing we're missing is a quarterback, and you know, Kirby Smart is a defensive guru, so it can't be his defense's fault that we're not winning, even though down the stretch, Kirby Smart's defense got outplayed. I mean, they, they were getting smacked by Baker Mayfield in the Rose Bowl, and it took a a miraculous comeback because I think they were down what like 30 something to 17 in the first half of that game I mean Baker Mayfield was making that defense look embarrassed coming forward and if it wasn't for a block field goal by um you know I forgot which player blocked it but I mean he it was a great block I give him credit I'm not taking that win away from Georgia but if they're a block field goal away from never getting to the championship under smart in the first place that's true um, I mean I, I just I, I think uh, I really think it was unfair how Jake Fromm got blamed for everything. I think, I mean, he did have targets, but let's not forget that this year was his worst year. I think, I don't think me and you are going to argue about that because we no, can both we agree that this year was terrible. But his top three wide receivers were on and off hurt all year. His biggest target, uh, Lawrence Cager, was out for the final like three games. I mean, and George Pickens couldn't stay on the field because he kept getting suspended. Dude, but could you imagine if he didn't get suspended? That would have been. He's 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 he might be. I mean, uh, Jalen Waddle and De, you know Devontae Smith are really good. George Pickens might be the best wide receiver in the SEC this coming year. And Jamar Chase, mad respect to him too. But George Pickens is a stud. I'm just here to say. I mean, I'm not a big Georgia fan, but George Pickens is something serious out there. That's true. He's he's definitely. I mean, uh, what he didn't. I don't think he dropped a pass that that he was targeted with all year this year. Is that right? No, I, I don't think so. I mean. 
you know, he did get shut down in the SEC championship, but uh, I think me and you can both say D- Derek Stingley, Derek Stingley might be the best defensive player in the SEC this upcoming year. I mean, he's definitely oh, the yeah. best cornerback and, I really think Derek Stingley is a future top 10 pick and I'm not going to hold George Pickens, you know, to that because Derek Stingley is elite and he was elite from the second he stepped on campus. And when your run game is, when your top running back is giving you four yards and that defense can just sit back and double team and, you know, focus on the pass, there's really nothing you could do, especially when you have the talent of Grant Delpit, Derek Stingley, and all these players that LSU had in that, you know, back into that defense. I, I don't know if that falls all on George Pickens and Jake Fromm, to be completely honest with you. Oh, you're right for sure. I mean, we'll we'll see though. I I think it's gonna be interesting. I think Newman is a really good quarterback. I think he should have respect of SEC defenses. But my argument is quarterback wasn't the problem. Do I think that if everything falls right that Georgia can make a run? I think Newman is good enough to make a run with them, but the run game has to be there, and Kirby Smart has to have that defense make plays down the stretch because I, uh, I, I think we both watched the South Carolina game. We covered that on the podcast. That defense wasn't great down the stretch against South Carolina. That South Carolina was down to its third-string quarterback, and they were still letting South Carolina get down the field and score. Absolutely, for sure. Not a good look. But, guys, so I kind of highlighted it. We are going to move on to DeAndre Swift and the stable of running backs that are in this draft class. So we've been releasing our positional rankings for the upcoming 2020 NFL draft. It's set to begin on April 23rd in Las Vegas, Nevada. We will see if that stays. The NFL says they're going to work to keep that date the same, whether that means remotely or whatever it may hold. The draft should be happening. Many experts seem to be torn between a few different candidates that all have potentials to be centerpieces of NFL offenses moving forward. DeAndre Swift out of Georgia, J.K. Dobbins from Ohio State, and Jonathan Taylor out of Wisconsin seem to be the top three consensus running backs across major platforms that rank this draft class. The class is extremely deep, and experts seem to agree that there are stills deep in this draft at the running back position. Brandon, you had J.K. Dobbins ranked as your number one running back in this draft class. So why is that and what makes him so special? And who is an underrated player in this class that you think could fall to day two or three that could really shine at the next level? Ooh, that's tough. I, the, 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 ooh, the player that's going to fall is going to get me. But uh, J.K. Dobbins, obviously, I mean, if you watched him play last season, you know how special this guy really was. And it's a shame. I don't think either one of us had him as a breakout player in the Big Ten. Um, I, I don't even know if we did a Big Ten recap, actually. So that's well, I don't. Why. I don't. I don't think we actually <laughs> did. <laughs> yeah, so that's probably why. But I mean, this guy. I mean, look at his stats. He had 301 carries this season for 2,003 yards. That that more that almost doubles what he had last season. He had he had 1,053 yards last season. He had 21 touchdowns this season. That is more than he combined for his first two seasons. Um, if you watched him play, I mean, he's just, he's not this dual threat running back that you want to see in the NFL today. He's not the guy who's going to go out and catch passes, even though he can, he's just not the guy that is often targeted for that type of thing. Um, he only had 23 receptions this season, um, with two touchdowns, which is pretty good still, but he's not the guy that you're going to be worried about going out of the backfield or playing slot receiver. He's no, he's no Christian McCaffrey is what I'm getting at. But what he is, is he's a powerful running back. He's a quick running back. He's a guy that's going to get, he's, he's a guy who's going to get almost, I mean, in the NFL, I would say closer to maybe four or five yards of carry. He had seven yards of carry this past season. He's averaged seven yards of carry for two seasons out of his three year career in college. I just, I, I think he's a force that I don't want to say unstoppable, but he's going to be, some NFL team is going to be very lucky to have him in their backfield this upcoming season. Um, He's a guy that is going to be able to put the offense, I think, on his shoulders and just bring them down the field. Uh, maybe not win a ton of games, but he's definitely going to do his job, uh, just depending on where he falls to, I guess. Uh, I can't remember where he's projected to go right now in the mock drafts. There's just been so many of them. Um, but he's, he's projected to be a top 10 pick. Um, and, you know, it, it may be a situation. I don't want to put him on this on this platform because I don't think he's even close to as good as Saquon Barkley is. But, um he plays similarly, in my opinion. Uh, I think that's a good comparison yeah. for him. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I don't mind that. I mean, Dobbins was number two on my list, but I still have some questions about him. Uh, I've ranked Jonathan Taylor as my number one running back, and the reason that I think he gets to nod over Dobbins is that he's been more consistent and more durable than Dobbins has throughout his career. Uh, Taylor been the main starter for all three years in Wisconsin, and he's put up 1,900 or more yards every season and has averaged six yards, six or more yards per touch every season for three years. He is number six on the instant of lays list of all-time rushing yards. Uh, the thing about Dobbins, man, I mean, Dobbins and Taylor tied this season with 2,003 2, yards rushing. That's crazy that they hit on that exact number, but they, I've seen weirder things. Dobbins did lead the country the Big Ten in rushing touchdowns, though. I think Dobbins has the build to be dangerous in the NFL, but he really is. This might be a weak comparison because they went to the same school, whatever. But he reminds me so much of Ezekiel Elliott. Uh, he is scary like that. They have similar builds, about 5'10", 5'11", 220, 230. And he, but the thing about Dobbins is I think he may be more explosive than Elliott was. Elliot, as he's gotten into his NFL career, has become less and less explosive. And I think Dobbins has potential to be just as good as Zeke moving forward in the NFL. But I'm still going to go with Taylor here, man. I mean, we haven't seen a running back put up this these consistent numbers in a long time. And he did it on a less talented team than Dobbins had. I right. mean, I, I mean, when you put up over 2,000 yards for two straight years and you were less than 100 yards away from having 2,000 yards all three years of your career, that is almost impossibly good, in my opinion. And, and this year, Taylor became more of a receiving back. He had five receiving touchdowns this year after not putting up any his first two years. I, I don't think we're going to sleep on the Wisconsin offensive line, but I think the Ohio State offense had more weapons to build around. So the defenses couldn't focus on... Dobbins as much as they could Taylor. I mean, I don't think we could compare Justin Fields and Jack Cohen and who defenses feared more because I think everyone who's listening and Brandon knows the answer to that. Surefirely, it is Justin Justin Fields. And oh, yeah. I mean, I think a running back that me and Brandon have some questions about, but he's getting a lot of love from a lot of scouts is DeAndre Swift. And for me, I think he's the biggest question mark in terms of production. He never seemed to fully carve out his role in Athens. Yes, that could be because of Nick Chubb or Sonny Michelle, but even his senior season, he only had about 1,200 yards, and I really didn't love his game. He has He's probably one of the more explosive backs in the class. I'll give him that, but I don't think he's an every down back in the NFL. I, I really don't see him being the centerpiece of an offense where you can give it to him down one through three and trust him to do it. I think UGA did try to lean on him, and, but he didn't. I don't know. I don't think he did enough to put him above Dobbins or Taylor for me. I think UGA had probably one of the more dominant offensive lines out of all these running backs that we're talking about here. And a quarterback that defenses will probably pay some of the most attention to. I think you could put from above Jack Cohen in terms of production and defensive awareness on that. But Swift never seemed to dominate. I saw games where Dobbins and Taylor dominated the game. I mean, if you watched Michigan Wisconsin this year, you said, Oh, who is that number 23 in the, and you know, for Wisconsin because that dude is special. You watch Dobbins in the first half against Clemson. You're like, that guy is for real. That, that dude is a future NFL player. Swift, only a handful of games you could say that in my opinion and i think that's why swift to me is the most overrated back in this draft class yeah uh you know and, and we both watched him play this past season we've seen him over his career and he's a very good running back but i don't think he's on the same level as like a sony michelle or nick chubb and definitely not a Todd Gurley. so uh i, I think that he has this this height built up around him because of those players because he's a Georgia running back, but he's, I, I, he's not going to perform at the same, uh, same capacity. You know, there's just no way, right? No, I don't think so. I don't think he has the, uh, so I actually, uh, I don't know if I should say this is probably piss off some of our Georgia fans that listen, but I don't think Deandre Swift is going to play running back in the NFL. Really? I don't, He's he's five he's like five nine two twenty. 
I think he's going to be more of like an outside weapon. I think he's going to be. I think they're going to move him to receiver. I really do. Wow. They're gonna okay. they're gonna move him to receiver slash type like a specialized maybe like wing back. So I I don't see him being an every down back. I really don't. He doesn't have the consistency for it. I don't think I don't think he's built for that. I think they're gonna use him kind of like the Patriots use James White. Okay. And. I don't see him being like a Zeke Elliott or a Christian McCaffrey or anything like that. I see him being a specialized player that you bring in in certain situations. I think J.K. Davis and Jonathan Taylor are every down backs that you can base your offense around every single week. I don't see that from DeAndre Swift. And especially if he goes to a team without a good offensive line, because, I mean, he had some of the best offensive linemen in the country at Georgia and still couldn't produce like Dobbins or Taylor. I, I, don't I, he just doesn't have that if factor to me. He doesn't pop off the screen to me. I don't know if I'm missing something. I've watched film on this kid. I've seen him play a lot. I watch a lot of SEC football being from the South. I mean, uh, uh, I really uh, I don't I don't know about him. I have a lot of questions. All right, so before I put Brandon on the spot, I'll go ahead and give my dark horse. I I've seen one outlet put him above uh, above where i had him i had him at number three on my list i think he's grossly underrated i think he could be the best back in this draft mine is zach moss out of utah i think zach moss is going to be the best running back that no one talks about in this draft i think he led the pac-12 in rushing this past season and had the least amount of help in my opinion Wisconsin has multiple O-linemen going in the draft, and same for Ohio State and UGA. They are legendary, getting five and four stars at every position. I looked it up. All of Utah's offensive linemen last season were composite three stars or lower, and all but one person on that offensive line was ranked outside the top 1,000 players in their draft class. I mean, their recruiting class. Do you think UGA or Ohio State or Wisconsin had a one player ranked outside the top 1,000 starting on that offensive line? No, there's no way. <laughs> not not even a single chance, guys. And so Moss is built for this, too. He's built a very similar to J.K. Dobbins. He's about 5'10", 225, 230. And I, I know a lot of you guys probably didn't watch Utah play last year. Me and Brandon did. I think Brandon will agree with me on this. His biggest positive to me is his physicality. Man, he is about that contact. He's about that life. And if you're in the hole when he arrives, you you aren't going to be there next time because he is going to put his head in your chest and you are going to move. Uh, he's not the fastest. He runs about a 4.6, but he has the quickness and the explosive first step to be a starting NFL running back. And, you know, we love pro comparisons here. And my pro comparison for Zach Moss is Kareem Hunt. Okay. They're built similarly. Kareem Hunt also dropped in the draft because of competition, other stuff. But Moss has the same explosiveness, same vision, same physicality that Kareem Hunt has. And we saw what Kareem Hunt was doing at the Chiefs his rookie year. Moss is that similar guy who's going to come out of nowhere in this NFL season. And Moss is going to be the best or one of the best running backs in this class. And I will put anything you guys want on that. And the... Biggest positive, his pro comparison is Kareem Hunt. Kareem Hunt had discipline issues coming out of college. Nothing like that on Zach Moss. Nothing but positives on this kid. He's one of the most highly respected kids coming out of Utah, coming out of college in general. Good grades, no issues. Coaches, teammates love this kid. I think Zach Moss is superbly, superbly underrated, and I love this kid so much. And I almost put him over J.K. Dobbins in my rankings but J.K. Dobbins is extremely explosive. But I think Zach Moss is absolutely the most underrated player in this draft. Okay. Um, I'm going to take a little bit of a different route. The way I understood it was we were going with a, like a true dark horse uh, because people talked about Zach Moss. So good job, Zach. I'm a cop-out. But uh, uh, talk about, How's that a cop-out? People are projecting him to fall to day two or three in the draft. Okay, well, I'm going to go with uh, – it was tough for me. I had a couple in mind. I'm going to have to stick with Joshua Kelly out of UCLA. Um, while like he didn't it. have like super impressive numbers, watching him play, watching him uh, perform you know, after the season ended this year, 
I mean, this kid has done outstanding things. I mean, I sat, I was at the senior bowl all week and I've already talked about this kid plenty because he was just doing an outstanding job all around there. Um, he looks, I mean, he looks like an NFL running back to me. Uh, he looks like the kind of NFL running back that, like I said, he's not going to fit in the same kind of like Christian McCaffrey role where he's going to roll out and he's going to go out for passes and play a slot receiver. But he's the kind of kid who's going to go out there. I mean, on the season, he had over a thousand rushing yards with UCLA. <laughs> I mean, he he's one of the reasons this UCLA team performed much better than a lot of people expected them to this season. Don't um, forget he had to split Tom. So his stats could have been even oh, more yeah. crazy because they also had uh, a scrambling quarterback in uh, Dorian Thompson Robinson. I mean, they ran a lot of stuff with him. So if he would have been in a more pro style offense, this dude could have easily hit the 2000 yard mark. Right. For sure. And, and I mean, it was just, I, I was looking back at my notes because I had to, I had to find somebody who I thought was going to uh, be a dark horse, going to have a great, um, you know, he's going to, he's going to do far better than most of the experts. Most of the, uh, I mean, even most of the uh, scouts think he's going to do. And I was just looking back at my, at my notes because I got caught up in a moment while I was at the senior bowl. And I was like, okay, well, I'm going to start taking notes like a scout would because I was talking to scouts and I was hearing the way they were talking. And so, I mean, the things I said about Gibson, I was like, well, he finishes runs. He never goes down on first contact. He finds holes. He can make the cuts he needs to. And it was just, I mean, it, there were no negatives. I mean, whereas you look at guys like uh, like Eno Benjamin, I had negatives for him. Uh, I mean, even guys like Antonio Gibson, who you know more of a wide receiver, but played a lot of time at running back, uh, has been worked out at running back a ton this uh, this off season before the draft. Um, I've got negatives for all these guys. I couldn't find a negative for for uh, Joshua Kelly. I mean, this guy's the real deal, and I think that if he were put into a different situation, like Zach said, where he didn't have to split time. He could have, I mean, he only had 229 touches this year. You know, you give him those those 300 plus touches like J.K. Dobbins had, and we don't know what he would have done, right? I mean, this kid uh, is an absolute machine. I think whoever he falls to is going to be extremely lucky. I mean, and he's going to be a kid that falls to day two, day three. He's going to be around four or five pick more than likely. Um, so he's going to be a great value pick for anyone who can uh, get their hands on him. Yeah, I really like that pick. And, you know, I just want to give one shout out. Brandon kind of called me out. My number two player is probably truly underrated. I think Brandon agrees. We've talked about this kid briefly, so we'll just kind of throw him in here. Well, Michael Piron out of Florida is going to be a stud as well. I don't think he's going to, I think, I don't think he's going to be a top back in this class, but he'll be a serviceable starter, in my opinion. I, I don't think he has the, I don't, I don't think, I think he's a consistent pick. Let me put it like that. He doesn't have an extremely high ceiling, but he also doesn't have an extremely low floor. He's going to be right in the middle. I think I think he could be a serviceable back in the NFL. And uh, if I had to pick a pro comparison for him, I oh, this is tough. I'll put myself on the spot here. I'm 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 going to go with Kenyon Drake. Um I think he's a similar Kenyon Drake type guy. He's going to have to find an offense that features him in the correct way. I'll, uh, let's just go with that. He has a pretty nice set of hands that can catch, make plays out in space like Kenyon Drake. Kenyon Drake struggled at the Dolphins. They were they were utilizing him in the wrong fashion. He goes to the Cardinals, gets in a spread type attack. They get him out in space. Kenyon Drake was the best running was one of the best running backs in the country. Last, you know, last season when he got traded, Piran just needs a system that will help him out on that. He's he's a playmaker. He has the speed, physicality, the hands to be something serious. But I still think some of these other backs have to be above him, in my opinion. But I think you can't go wrong with drafts. So, I mean, I think he's a great value for a fourth, fifth round pick. Like, I think I think both of us can agree he's going to go somewhere probably around there. Yeah, I agree with you. He he was also on my list. Uh, he would have been my second pick because, you know, like I've been saying about most of these running backs so far, they don't really fit into that, you know, that more modern running back role where they're also, you know, they could also function as a slot receiver. I mean, you see Christian McCaffrey and Alvin Kamara coming out and doing that type of thing. I think I think Michael P. Ryan is a player that can fit into that, that sort of role. Uh, if he gets in the right offense with the right coaches who know how to use him the right way, 
he's going to be a serious threat in the NFL. Yeah, because he's focused too. I mean, you've heard nothing bad come out come from this kid in Florida, and he was at a program where a lot of kids do have a lot of problems. There's a lot of news That's coming true. out about Florida players getting in trouble. If he can survive being in Gainesville for all these years and not get in any trouble, I th- the kid's character has to be high. So, oh, and and we can't forget. I mean, he was there during one of the big scandals in Florida. Yep. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't you know it's <laughs> it's not it's not Aaron Hernandez and Cam Newton causing trouble. But it's it, it was players selling you know their team Jordans. I mean they were they were given these uh, pair of, uh, of Jordan sneakers and they were they were selling them. Michael Piron didn't get caught up in that, uh, and I think that's a great sign. I mean, or really for anyone who didn't get caught up in that, that's a great sign for them. But especially Michael P. Ryan with the, uh, with the type of talent he has. Yeah, I completely agree. So we'll move on. Last topic of the day. It is we're going to talk Drake May. One of the best quarterbacks in the next recruiting class, flipping from Alabama to UNC. Most experts thought Nick Saban struck gold with another big commitment by four-star quarterback Drake May last July. May stands at six four and is a top thirty-five prospect for this next recruiting class, according to two four seven Sports. May's brother is Luke May, the UNC standout who was on the last UNC team to win a national championship in basketball a few years ago. May put up over 3,500 yards last season and threw 50 touchdowns and just wait, only two interceptions last season for his high school. He is, he is a candidate for a fifth star in the upcoming new updated uh, 247 rankings. And May flipped his commitment last week to the Tar Heels and continued Mac Brown's hot streak on the recruiting trail. Brandon. Does this development show coaches across the country are not in, as intimidated by Saban anymore? And what does this say about what Matt Brown is building in Chapel Hill? Honestly, I don't see this as like a slap in the face to Alabama. I see this more as a kid who is very talented, right? I mean, he, he's a four-star quarterback right now. And that's, you know, obviously he's a junior still in high school. He's the class of 2021, so he won't even be in college until next year. Uh, but you know, he, 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 obviously he made his, uh, commit to UNC on March 6th after committing to Alabama last July. Uh, and I think this is more of a case of, Hey, would I rather drive? He's from Charlotte, North Carolina, by the way, Would I rather go two hours up the road to go to school where my family already has somewhat of a legacy, you know, probably go, probably go to the school where you've been a fan of your entire life you probably grew up a, a unc fan right i mean if you're from charlotte uh rather than driving seven hours to, to live in tuscaloosa alabama and yeah you're going to you're going to play for the university of alabama that's impressive and everything but you're also gonna have a lot of competition i mean bryce young alone i mean he's gonna be there for probably two of the years at least that you're there so you're gonna have one or two seasons to show out after that maybe three if you redshirt but would you rather go somewhere like UNC? I understand Sam Howell's there, and he's very good, and, and this kid's not going to start over Sam Howell unless something just goes drastically wrong. But yeah, I mean, and Sam Howell uh, came in this past season, so this kid's going yeah. to have. <laughs> if he takes his red shirt, he's going to have three full seasons, you know, at least where he can just show out, where he can, I mean, make his own legacy, right? Yeah, I, th- I think so, and. You know, I, I I agree with you. I still think Saban has major pull on many recruits in the country, and why wouldn't he? He's the greatest coach of all time, and who wouldn't want to go play for Nick Saban? If I was a player, I, I grew up a diehard Auburn fan. If Nick Saban's calling the phone, your boy is listening. I don't think if yeah. you, if if you're someone who loves college football and you say if you were a recruit you wouldn't listen to Nick Saban, you're lying. Yeah, yeah right. you are absolutely lying, and. You know, I agree with you. I think this says more about not just, you know, this kid, but freshmen in general, seeing that their that their ability to start immediately is becoming more and more evident. If you think back to our when we were younger, you almost never saw true freshmen starting at quarterback in the NCAA. That was just not something that happened very often. Uh, and I think you see it more and more often. I mean, you saw Jalen Hurts, Tua Tagovailoa, Trevor Lawrence. I mean, and just there's countless more. I don't feel like naming out every single true freshman starting quarterback in of all time. But, you know, they don't want to sit the bench for three years. I mean, 
at Alabama, you have Mac Jones, Bryce Young, you have Paul Bryant's great grandson. I mean, you have Tua's little brother. I mean, who wants to walk in that quarterback room and sit the bench for three years when you're a borderline five star prospect and you just got done throwing 50 touchdowns and two interceptions? So the kid's talented. I don't care if this dude played dummies like i'm talking about just standalone like dummies where they they don't move to throw 50 touchdowns to two interceptions you got to be talented that's I definitely mean, not what i thought you were talking about when you said dummies I no, you no, 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 idiot. no 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 idiots out there he's just no. playing the dumbest guys alive dude you could put a pop warner team out there you're gonna throw one interception eventually right i mean <laughs> uh, it's it's ridiculous i mean 50 touchdowns to two interceptions that's outrageous uh yeah but you know these freshmen are coming in with high expectations. And like I said, Tuscaloosa is so deep, man. I mean, there are five stars that sometimes don't get to see the field because it's because they recruit other five stars that are better than those past five stars. I mean, we're seeing the same thing at Clemson starting to happen. Um, you know, and I think Sam Howell is going to be a huge wild card because I think May one either thinks he can compete with Sam Howell, which is outrageous in my opinion, because we all know how much I like Sam Howell. Or two, he knows that Sam Howell is only there for three years. Right. Because I don't think he does this if he thinks Sam Howell is staying for all four years. Uh, I mean, I don't think May mine's redshirting one year, but I don't think he's going to sit the bench for much longer. And May has the opportunity to be one of the best quarterbacks in this next recruiting class. I mean, guys, I know – a lot of you guys probably aren't paying attention to recruiting as much as you know some people in the media are. Go watch the film on this kid. This kid is elite. I'm talking about elite guys. This guy is going to be outrageous at the next level. And and you know I agree with you. I also think this speaks more on what Mac Brown is building in Chapel Hill rather than what Nick Saban isn't building in Tuscaloosa. I mean. How many recruits has he already gotten that would never actually consider UNC as a football destination? I would say countless, right? Right. I mean, and what he's doing is he is building a wall around North Carolina. He's getting the recruits from North Carolina that would go to South Carolina, that would go to Georgia, that would go to Alabama, that would go to, let's just say, Clemson. I mean, he's getting those players to stay. I mean, he's got May, the number three uh, recruit in North Carolina. He's got another kid, uh, number five recruit in the country, Blackwell, the number six recruit in the country. He's got multiple top ten recruits from his his state, and he did it last year too um, with you know multiple four-star players who would have probably left if Matt Brown wasn't at UNC. And, guys, it's a really, really early, I know, but – the Tar Heels have the number four, the fourth ranked recruiting class for next season already. Yeah. Well, I, people, I don't care. people forget how much Zach loves UNC. <laughs> I'm, I, I really, I, I'm not a huge USC fan, but I'm impressed with what Matt Brown is doing. I mean, I don't care what it is. There's a lot of recruits that have already committed to have the number four recruiting class, and you are the North Carolina Tar Heels in football. <laughs> That's that's impressive. If this was basketball, whatever, that's probably a disappointment to have the number four class. You should have one or two, maybe three if Kentucky's on it. But I, I'm really impressed with what Matt Brown is doing here. And the, I don't think – I think this is – we should be putting more praise on Matt Brown rather than focusing on, oh, he left Alabama. I think Nick Saban's still going to get talent. I mean, uh, Brandon, are you – would you put money on that Bama's probably still going to land one of the best quarterbacks in the next recruiting cycle? Uh, yeah, if I were if I were a gambling man, I, I would do that. Yeah, I'd put a lot of money on it because, you know, but here's one thing I don't want to hear. I, I, while I was researching this topic, I saw this a lot. And I, as an Auburn fan, and I know Brandon, as an LSU fan, you, you're going to agree with this. And a lot of our listeners are going to agree with this because you guys know exactly what we're talking about. And even if you're from Michigan or whatever, Ohio or whatever, you know programs that or do whatever. this. Yeah. Um, I hear a lot of excuses that Bama is too good and they don't want this kid. Oh, I hate that. I literally, <laughs> it makes my blood boil seeing that because, yeah, he's a four star. But how many four stars were Cam Newton was a four star? Kyler Murray was a four star for some uh, recruiting services. I mean, there's multiple four. Joe Burrow was. Oh, come on, man. 
that's that's ridiculous. That just because he's that, like Bama's too good for a five star quarterback. I mean, Brandon, outside of because Tua Tagovailoa was a four star, he wasn't even a five star. Well, here's he the name- thing. Here's the thing. I mean, I, I, yeah, I could name him, but here's the thing. He's a four star and he's a junior. Give him until the next updates on two four seven on the next updates on the composite rankings. This kid's a, a what is he? He's point nine seven. What? I mean, yeah, yeah, exactly. He's if he threw fifty touchdowns and two interceptions this season, if he does the same thing next season, this kid's a five star. That that kid might I be mean, the number one quarterback in the country if he does that again, right? And I mean, North Carolina is a state that has decent high school football. It's not like he's playing in Idaho. No, I mean, no, North no. Carolina has some talent, guys. Like, let's not so, – I mean, yeah, it might not be California or Georgia or Florida, but I, I would say North Carolina's up there. Let's not play stupid. And, you know, this idea that, oh, uh, Bama's too good for a kid like this, like, get oh, – come on, man. That's ridiculous. I mean, losing a recruit always hurts. But, I mean, uh, if you had to say – Hey, you know, if we have Bryce Bryce Young at the starting quarterback, that's a five star. Would it not be nice to have a backup who throws for fifty touchdowns with two interceptions? I would oh, take yeah. it. Sign me yeah. up. Where's the list? Because I wish Auburn had that as their backup. I don't even think Auburn has a backup quarterback right now. So you know, I, I'm. It's ridiculous. And this idea that if you're a, some of these programs have this idea that if you're a five star, like that, that's it. That that is you are set for the college football hall of fame, but I mean, go check out our website. It, the blue There is a thing called the biggest recruiting bust in the past decade. Brandon, what were there? Six quarterbacks on that list. Yeah, it was, it was a lot that, that, that were all five stars. And guess what guys, just because he's from California and Bama got him, there were three quarterbacks from California on that list. That's like get, get over it, man. And, I mean, you have to be, you have to have depth. I mean, and what happens if, you know, two of those players transfer? What if Mac Jones loses to starting job to Bryce Young? He's gone. Tua's little brother, Talua, is already talking about transferring. That, that, then what? I didn't hear – so Bear, Bryant, Bear Bryant's uh, great-grandson was a four-star. I didn't hear anyone say, oh, he's a four-star. We don't need him. <laughs> That's a fact. I, I didn't hear one person say that. You want to know why? Because his <laughs> last name was Bryant. That is the only reason y'all said that. And it pisses me off so much. I'm just, I am shook about this because I see it. And this isn't just an indictment on Alabama. This is for Auburn fans, LSU fans, USC fans, Oregon fans, anything. I don't care if it's a four-star, a five-star, a three-star. If he comes out and plays, that's all that matters to me, man. I just want a playmaker and I mean, how many quarterbacks have we seen that were two, three stars? How many just players in general have we seen dominate college football? I mean, countless. <laughs> I mean, honestly, I mean, honestly I mean, countless. Baker Mayfield walked on to, th- what, two different schools and won the Hosman Trophy. Right. How many pro- – How and, you know, how? so, yeah, okay, we've already had the argument about this. I hate the idea that everyone says Joe Burrow. No one wanted him. But, you know – if Joe Burrow is a four-star quarterback, no one saw that coming, right? I mean, coming out of high school, no one said, you know what? Joe Burrow is going to set the record up for NCAA total offense his senior year. So people would have been like, hey, dude, why don't you just go sit over there because you're, you're, you're losing it. They, they yeah, would have put you – We call that our dummy corner. Why don't you sit over there and then come back later? <laughs> I mean, it's just uh, – I don't. This is why I really like to pay attention to like what the experts are saying, even though they miss on a lot of stuff. But this stuff's impossible to predict. I mean, if you have someone who hits on, let's just say, sixty percent of their prediction for these recruits, that's outstanding. I mean, you never know, man. I mean, there's coaches, there's coaching changes, there's players that don't fit the culture, there's players that don't mess with the system. I mean, there's so many other factors than just a player not being good enough because. I mean, uh, and you know, he's a junior, so what? He's seventeen, and he's already six four. He's and and he's the small brother, guys. His brother is an NBA is is like an NBA player, like legit NBA player. And we're gonna and and so he's the runt of the litter. And we're just like, ah, we don't want him. He he comes from an athletic family. Like his dad 
I believe played quarterback at uh, North Carolina, right? Yeah, he was he was a all state quarterback and played three different sports for UNC. That's insane. I mean, th- this this idea that you know he's nothing is just outrageous. And I mean, his pro comparison according to two four seven is Sam Bradford. Do you know what Sam Bradford did in college, Brandon? He's pretty good. He won the Hosman. <laughs> it was the number one pick. It was the number one pick in the NFL draft. Do you think UNC is taking a Hosman winner? I think they're yeah. They might have two because Sam Howell is going to win it eventually. Yeah, I mean th- this. Th- this just. I mean Texas is probably kicking themselves that Mac Brown's not there anymore. Do, do, you know, I, I know Brandon hates Texas. Brandon's probably smiling right now because he loves this horns down thing, dude. Do you I think do. they would? Do you think they would trade? You know, Mac Brown straight up for for their coach right now. They they probably would. Like Tom Herman is just be gone, right? You you would have right. to think. And uh, I don't know, man. I I love it. Uh, Brandon loves it because Brandon hates Texas. But so this is the end of our episode, guys. Uh, we're trying to get your guys' mind off of the everything going on in you know the country right now. So we are coming out. Major content. We're keeping our schedule. We even might have a little bit of extra content. We got time, right, episode, Brandon? If you if you're willing to pay, yeah. <laughs> we're just we're gonna set up. We're gonna set up a payment system for you guys. But nah, yeah. we're we're bringing you guys content over this crazy time. We got stories lined up. There's still stuff to talk about. You know, good programs gonna still bring content to tune in. Stay up to date with everything. You know, going on in college football. Uh, we're, we're in the work with some with some more interviews with some big names, so stay tuned for that. Guys, if you haven't checked out the website, catch up on all our blogs if you need some reading time while you're just chilling. Uh, it is thebluebloodspod.com. All our old articles are on there. Uh, we're going to be coming out with some new ones. Uh, me and Brandon got to find some stuff to do now. Um, as you guys know, <laughs> we, have a lot of, we have a lot of free time on our hands right now. Um, but social media, guys, we're still going to keep up with our positional rankings, too. Working on a mock draft for you guys as well. Uh, Instagram at the underscore blue bloods, Twitter at the underscore underscore blue bloods, Facebook at the blue bloods pod. Um, you can find links to all our episodes on all our social media, our website. All the links are at the top of the homepage. You can click, you can listen anywhere you listen to podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Anchor, Spotify, whatever you guys want. We got all the links up there. Um, subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcast or wherever you want to listen. Leave ratings. You guys have been doing pr- great with that. Leave a review if you want. We really appreciate all you guys listening. And we will be back later this week with more episodes. But for right now, we out. Peace.